You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I lost my wife about a year and a half ago, and there was lots of emotions running. And uh, as we... uh, as I, as I looked at that over and over over the last year and a half or so, uh, I needed to just really sit down and, and pray to God that He would carry me all, all the way through. And uh, as I did that, as I prayed, it became just wonderful. It was a uh, Friday morning. Uh, it was the 30th of August. And um, as I really gave all of myself to the Lord, I absolutely um, just cried like a baby. Uh, I showered twice because it just felt so good. I prayed in the shower. I prayed outside the shower. But it was a, it was an awakening of the Lord in my and for me and, and His presence, as I've just kind of pointed my uh, life entirely, not partially, not drifting, but entirely to the Lord. Well, as I'm learning more and more in the study of Genesis with uh, Jeannie McCullough, I absolutely uh, feel it's, it's imperative, and I didn't always feel that way. Uh, scripture every day was not for Harold. I could read some scripture uh, um, every other day or so, or maybe on the weekend, or I could go to a Bible study. But today, it's imperative because it reminds you exactly where the Lord stands in guiding your life. Uh, but I think uh, without that, we're not using all of our gifts. We're not really with, you know, being in the Word is just, it's a must for me now. It's not, a, it's not an alternative. It's an everyday must. And uh, I think that's where the Lord wants me to be. Um, I have a lot of gifts, and they have all come to the top in terms of uh, understanding which one's God wants me to utilize, which ones uh, uh, that are most important to Him, and uh, I just think it pulls, uh, at at this time in life, or at at this age, you really, you need this type of thing to hang on to. You need uh, to realize that uh, you're valuable to your last day on earth, to the Lord, and He will provide you with energy, He'll provide you with already has with the gifts that he's given you in life and to utilize every one of those in terms of loving life and loving others. I've learned to love the Lord. I've learned to love all of my brothers. But even my enemies, I've uh, I'm able to just really have a peace about visiting with them, talking with them, uh, trying to shine my light for the Lord. And so that they, they can see that in me. I'm starting to meet them one by one, and they just said, well, something about you seems different, and it seems better, and it seems transparent, and you seem to have clarity, and you seem to love people. And I said, I love God first, and I love all my brothers. I think that the biggest single thing is, uh, is just that uh, I, want, I want to be 100% obedient to the Lord.
We started a series last week called Just Like Jesus. And I remember quoting this song to you that I grew up singing in church. And the last lines of the song were, my deepest prayer, my highest goal is to be like Jesus. And so you've kind of had a week to think about it. And I kind of wanted to stand up this morning and I wanted to look you in the eye. And I wanted to say to you, how bad do you want this in your life? How important is it to you that you become like Jesus? You understand that when Jesus came to our earth and he walked around us, we saw a picture of the life that God was calling us to live. And so Jesus wasn't saying, just follow my teaching. He was saying, follow me. And we find it when he says things to the disciples like, okay, you've seen me wash your feet. Now you should wash one another's feet. You should do what I do. Or okay, as I've loved you, you should love one another. So it's not just a matter of listening to what I say. I'm wanting you to do what I do. And so the goal becomes to be like him. You know, when I think about a church like ours, and I think about being the pastor of this church, I realize that Jesus has made our mission very clear. And he calls us to make disciples. And we live this out in the context of relationships, our relationship with God and our relationships with one another, believers in the faith, and also with people who aren't Christian, others. And so here's the deal. I I think my responsibility is to call people to become like Jesus in your relationship with God, to become like Jesus in your relationships with one another, and to become like Jesus in your relationships with people who are not Christian. And so today I want to focus on the relationship with God, okay? So why don't you open your Bible to John chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 27. And I'm aware of the time, and I won't talk a long time today, but I think I've got something really good to share with you, okay? And we'll talk about Jesus' relationship with the Father, okay? So John chapter 4, verse 27. We're in the middle of the story where Jesus has been talking to a lady at a well. And so here's where we break into the story. Just then, his disciples returned, and they had gone to get some food for Jesus, And they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. I know we don't relate to this, but you understand in that society you didn't speak publicly with a woman. Um, Honestly, because a woman was viewed very low in that society and you didn't waste your energy in a conversation with a female. I know that sounds harsh, but that's the world that Jesus came to. And he broke down those kind of barriers and he challenged that kind of thinking. But nobody asked him, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Nobody even asked him. And then leaving her water jar, because she knew she was coming back, the woman went back to the town and she said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can't hardly do anything but pause and think about how amazing God is, that there is nothing in my life that he doesn't see. And then she says, could this be the Messiah? And so they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. All these people she talked about Jesus to, they came running toward Jesus. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him, well, Rabbi, you you should eat something. 
We went in and we got this food and now you should eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And his disciples said to each other, well, what happened? Could somebody have brought him food? Did he already eat something? And this is the last slide I'm going to read to you, okay? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ripe for harvest. So may God bless the reading of his word today. So let me just think with you for a minute, okay? The disciples are concerned that Jesus hasn't had anything to eat. And so they say, hey, Rabbi, why don't you take a minute and eat something? You need to nourish your body. And Jesus says, I have food that you don't know about. It's a common pattern when John writes his gospel. Jesus will say something and it will be taken literally, but really it has a deeper meaning. And then Jesus unfolds the truth. And so that's what he does. He begins to unfold the truth and he says to them, my food. You want to know what fulfills me? You want to know what I love? You know what gives me life? You know what gives me energy? You know what I'm all about? I'm all about doing the will of the Father who sent me. And so it's not like the only time that we see these kinds of words coming from Jesus. We also see them in John chapter 8, verse 36, where he says, not this time my food, but he says, my desire or my will. It's not just what fulfills me or what sustains me or what gives me energy or what, you know, gives me life. This is what I want. I want to do the will of the Father. I want to do what God wants me to do. And then you find it again in John chapter 13 when he says, I only do what pleases him. So here we go. You ready? Do you want to be like Jesus? How bad do you want to become like Jesus? And when it comes to Jesus' relationship with God, the Father, He said, it's not about what I want. It's not about my goals. It's not about my desires. It's not about my objectives or my priorities. It's about what he wants. And so if you and I want to become like Jesus in our relationship with God, the basis for our relationship has to become, it's not about what I want, God. It's about what you want. It's when Daniel Herrera says, I'm going to go be a missionary because it's what you want. And it's when Dustin and Amanda say, we're going to Swaziland because it's what God wants. And it's when Mary and Evelyn say, we're going to work with people who are dying of AIDS because it's what God wants. See, I think that's what it looks like in everyday life. I remember going to Peru a few years ago with my Morgan, who was probably an elementary kid then, and with my wife, Annette. And with a group of people from our church, and in the group was a guy named Rob. Rob was a, a funny, is a funny guy. Um, he's one of those people that never tries to be funny. He just, he is just funny. We laughed at him for two weeks. 
I remember when we were getting ready to leave to come back home, we all show up to get on the bus to go to the airport, and everybody's got their luggage, and we go, Rob, where's your stuff? And Rob says, they said we could leave as much as we want and give it away. And so he gave it all away. His heart is big. His heart for God is big. His heart for people is God. I remember one day we were traveling on a bus, and we stopped at this little village And there was this little stand selling some Coke and there was a bathroom you could go to. And I remember Rob bought an Inca-Cola. And all of a sudden, poverty was overwhelming in that little village. Poverty like you don't see many other places in the world. And all of a sudden, there were six or seven kids standing in front of Rob watching him take a drink of that cola. And he looked down at those kids and he gets down on his knee and he shoves the bottle toward one of the little kids And the little boy takes a big drink out of that 16-ounce bottle and he hands it back to Rob. And Rob hands it to a little girl and she smiles and she takes a drink and she hands it back and he hands it to another little boy and he takes a drink and they kind of chuckle and he continues to pass the bottle until finally there's that much left in the bottle and he holds it up and he smiles and they all laugh really loud. And he hands it to a little boy and he finishes it off and then they all kind of just clap. And I watched Rob get up and he pats the head of a couple of kids and we had to get on the bus. And I walked over to him and his hat is pulled down really far close to his eyes. And he's an emotional mess. And I said to him, you okay? And he said, what are we doing with our lives that really matters? What are we doing with our lives that really counts? I remember on a bus ride out of that little town of Icocha, Peru. He looks over at me and he says, I don't know what it is that God is asking me to do, but I can't go back to life like it was because God is wanting me to do something. I got to figure it out. And I remember the day that Rob sold this house and he moved into a smaller house that he could pay cash for. And I remember the day that he quit his job and he started working with us. And he began to lead our church and outreach to the community around us and also to other countries like Peru and Guatemala. And he said, okay, not my will, your will. If we are going to follow Jesus Christ... In regard to our relationship with the Father, then the relationship has to be built on this simple basis. It's not about what I want in my life. It's about what God wants for my life. You see, Jesus, He understood His mission. Do you know who you are? Do you know what your life is about? Do you know what your purpose is? Do you understand your mission? Jesus understood His mission. My mission is not about me. My mission is to complete the work the Father sent me to do. And you just kind of see it throughout the Gospels. When he was a little boy, his family goes to Jerusalem. And they're leaving town to go home. And they realize, we've misplaced Jesus. And they go back looking for him. And they find him in a temple. And he says, are you surprised? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? You remember the day he stands up in the temple and he reads from the prophet Isaiah? 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, to set the prisoners free, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set free the captive and the oppressed. He understood His mission. You know what He wants? He wants you and me to share the mission. He says, you've heard it this said, this, this saying that, you know, you, you plant and then four months until harvest. I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe. He's not talking about the fields. He's talking about the people that are running toward him. I want you to get excited about people with me. If I'm concerned about lost people, then you should be concerned about lost people. If you are going to follow me, I want you to fight for the cause that I'm fighting for. How bad do you want to become like Jesus? What, what, what keeps us from becoming like Him? Um, I, I think it's two words that we find in the text. And the two words are my will. If, if, if I'm going to become like Jesus in my relationship with the Father, and if my relationship with the Father is going to be based on me saying, it's not about what I want, but it's what about you want, then I have to surrender my will. Then it's not about my hopes and dreams for my future, it's about God's hopes and dreams for my future. And so here's what happens sometimes. I want you to jump on the wagon and I want you to think hard with me and follow really close in these next few minutes. I don't have much more to say, but this is important stuff. We sometimes say, okay, if that's the issue, Dennis Kenlaw says the essence of sin is self-interest. And so if self-interest and my will is the issue, then I'll tell you what I can do. I can just say, okay, it's no longer about what I want. It's about what God wants. I will obey Him. I will do what He wants me to do. There's a slight, slight problem. And here's the heart of it. That although obedience was part of Jesus' mission, love is about a lot more than obedience. Are you hearing me? Love is about a lot more than obedience. You understand that I can obey God for wrong reasons. I can obey God for reward. Okay, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what He wants me to do. And maybe He will just kind of smile on my life. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you know there'll be some, some good finances coming my way because I'm doing the right thing. We can obey God based on recognition. I want people to think that I'm really a, a, a spiritual guy. You understand love is about a lot more than obedience. Do you know what the greatest commandment is? Obey the Lord with all of your... No. It's love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. The action with the wrong motive is a bad deal. 
Let me, let me see if I can make real clear sense out of this, okay? Let's suppose that it's my wife's birthday and I throw in at a party. And when I say a party, I mean a party and it's a surprise for months I've been planning and nobody knows. I mean, she doesn't know what's coming. And so finally, she walks into the house. Cars are parked all over the neighborhood. None of them are on our street. And it is a celebration of her life. And she loves it. It was a great night. It was a lot of fun. She was the star of the show. She loved it. She thought it was wonderful. And all the people are gone. And we're cleaning up the last of the mess. And in the kitchen, we pass each other. And she breaks the silence and says, Rick, I loved it. But I got to know, why did you do it? In all of these years we've been married, you've never done anything like that. Never. I think there's a few really bad answers to that question, okay? I think the first really bad answer would be, well, Annette, I have never in my life had a big birthday party. And knowing that my birthday is coming up in a little while, I thought if I threw you a really big party that maybe, you know, it's worth a shot, give it a try. Maybe you would do something really big on my birthday. I can think of another really bad answer. You know, Annette, um, I don't know that your friends really realize how great of a husband I am to you. And so I thought if I gave you this party and they all come, they would all just walk away going, wow, what a great husband Annette has. The only answer to that question is this. Annette, I love you. With all of my heart. And I wanted to do something really special just for you. A lot of you can keep rules. Obey the Father. Is that enough? I don't think in the heart of God He was ever just wanting conformity conformity rather to His laws. The greatest commandment is that you love God with all of your heart and your soul and your strength and my obedience flows out of a heart of love. Jesus, you're going to the cross? Why are you going to the cross? Have you met my Father? I would do anything for Him because I love Him. If I want to become like Jesus in my relationship with the Father, then I have to come to a place in my life that my love for Him says, I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. But you understand, love is a heart issue. And only God can change my heart. And I get up realizing more and more, the older that I get, how little ability I have to be good on my own or to do anything positive in life. 
But I get up every day realizing, God, if anything good comes out of my life today, it's going to be because of the power of your spirit at work in me, transforming me, helping me to become the person that you want me to be. Make me like Jesus today. I'm a horrible failure. But the work of the Spirit in my life is to reproduce the character of Christ in me. Make me like Jesus. There's a lot of reasons, but it's a good reason to start your day praying. Okay, God, here we go. (laughs) If there's anything positive today... It's going to be because of the transforming power of your spirit at work in my life. Make me like Jesus. You want to stand with me? Kyle, you got something you can sing? More times than not, we end our services praying together. And so today we're going to give you that opportunity. And we'll pray the song that we sing, but we also will give you an opportunity to pray kind of where you are. Or if you want to come to the altar and pray, you can do that. And if this morning you're just saying, I want to just get on my knees and just say, God, make me like Jesus. I think that's a good prayer to pray. Or if there's something going on in your life, if you need to be prayed for, for physical healing, there'll be pastors here and they will be glad to anoint you and pray for you. If there's something really good going in your life and you want to give God thanks, you can come and do that. Or if you're going through a really tough time and you want to come and maybe even come with a friend and pray, you're welcome to do that. But before we go, let's take some time to pray, okay? Kyle? There's no one beside Ever the hope in my heart Oh, to be alive Give all I have just to know Jesus, there's no one
want you to receive these good words, okay? In light of what we're talking about, needing the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts, to make us like Jesus. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly more than we would ever ask or imagine. Amen. Be power and glory forever. Stay and pray as long as you like or come and join some people who are praying or stay and worship as long as you like. Kyle will lead some worship. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.